This is the Car Religion Podcast. This is a show where we share our passion and perspective for cars. New and old. Fast and slow. Affordable and expensive alike. I'm your show host, George. And I'm your other show host, Andrew. Let's Let's get get started. Hey, George. These are exciting times uh, this week. We got a lot of stuff coming from uh, all the Japanese automakers. Uh, We talked a lot about Toyota last week. You guys over at Nissan have been uh, doing lots, and we actually got to see a video of a lot of future vehicles from Nissan and a better glimpse at the body of the uh, 400Z um, and uh, pickup trucks, new Pathfinder, things like that. Uh, If you haven't seen this video already on the internet, definitely just go search up Nissan on on Google and it'll come up. You'll find it on Car and Driver, Road and Track, sites like that. And so, yeah, there's a lot of hype around Nissan as well as Toyota. But actually, uh, the most interesting one that uh, George and I have found has actually come from Honda in the form of Acura, who hasn't really actually excited us for a long time but this new tlx that came out uh it was revealed this week it it got my heart pumping a little you know i mean what do you say george what do you think yeah man honestly like it hasn't really been exciting for me um probably since like 2013 like that was probably the end of the good era right like you know acura really was focused on being you know the luxury brand for for honda right um and just kind of, you know, just going back for, for the audience as well, just kind of give a little bit of a history. So, the, so like, the Acura brand was basically launched in the U.S. Um, and Canada back in 1986 only. So, it, they're fairly um, a new luxury brand, right? So, when they first launched, they were basically, you know, um, focused on, you know, luxury performance. And they had high-performance uh, Honda models as well, where in North America, it was branded Acura like the NSX, right? That was yeah. that was a crazy car back in the day. Now, one cool thing to note actually yeah. about Acura is that they were the first Japanese luxury mm. brand, uh, which is kind of a neat fact because when you think of Japanese luxury, you know, usually you go to Lexus, maybe you think of Infinity, but I mean, Acura was the first one and it was the success of their, uh, their first car, the Acura Legend that really got Toyota and yeah. Nissan thinking and, they uh, they launched their brands right after that, and both also saw success. But yeah, just kind of a neat fact to throw in there. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree, and that's probably the you know the founder of the Japanese luxury brands, right? Like, um, so yeah, like you know, after after the legend, you know, they kind of they kind of went ham with you know the in in the in early nineties they uh, officially launched the NSX. Uh, which for for you for one of you guys that don't know the OG NSX was a mid-engine exotic sports car, right? It offered you know uh, reliability, practicality over their exotic European competitors. You know, like and when this, it was the yeah. first all aluminum uh, production car, like the first car yeah. that they ever yeah. made out of all aluminum. So this thing was state-of-the-art technology, you know, compared to the Ferraris and the Porsches of the day, it was the best thing you could buy. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, like this car, you know, revolutionized Honda as a brand. 
in the sense that, you know, that's the first time they introduced VTAC variable valve timing. That's crazy. That's that's what brought Honda into the like the tuner tuner scene, right? I think even back in so in the in ninety three though the legend had uh, VVT they had the VTEC technology kind of following the NSX footsteps, right? And then they started introducing you know the Type R badge with the Integra coupe in the nineties, which you love, Andrew, right? That's one of your early childhood dream cars. Right. Yes. Yes. Attainable uh, dream car was definitely an Integra. Yeah. And, you know, they kind of focused on that and built on that throughout the 90s. Right. And then in the early 2000s, they entered into the luxury SUV market um, with their, you know, MDX. Right. Like, I think that was extremely popular when it came out as well. Um, That was kind of like, you know, the early stages of luxury SUV. Which was, uh, which was actually pretty important for, for the brand. And then, you know, they kind of build on top of that with uh, launching more models uh, outside of the Honda brand, right? Like it's, you know, the RSX, uh, the CL, the TL, right? And then going into the 2000s, they introduced their um, super handling all-wheel drive, right? Which was very, very, like, well-received uh, with the public. Yeah, another very advanced technology that was sort of better than any competitor had in their cars, right? Exactly. And that, you know, um, they actually had, I think they really had that sports SUV image going earlier than a lot of the competitors. Remember the RDX in 07 they introduced? That the was- original RDX Turbo? Yeah. Yeah. I've talked to people who owned those vehicles and they loved them and they wish they could buy an SUV that drives the way it did and they, that they could have as much fun in as they did that RDX and they just can't find it anymore. Right. They loved those, uh, those original RDX turbos. I mean, (laughs) I wish they still put turbos in those, uh, those RDXs with their super handling all wheel drive. But I remember actually my dad, uh, drove one of the new RDXs, um, uh, a couple of years ago, and yeah. you know, I was curious to see if it had kept any of that original sort of sporty DNA from uh, the the RDXs of old. And he said, "No, no, it was just soft, cushy, comfortable. You know, it it got the job done, but it was not exciting whatsoever." Yeah, <laughs> and then you know what? Like, it's interesting because you know, in the recent years, like maybe back into '07, right? A lot of their portfolio were, you know, European Honda models, right? Like the TSX was a uh, European Accord, right? Which was, you know, it's a different size in terms of like it doesn't really fit the traditional North American sizing, right? Like it's smaller than a Camry but bigger than a Corolla. That's exactly. basically, and, and you know what? It's a fantastic size, uh, in my opinion. I think it just gives you that little bit more room, but still like nimble enough to whip around the corners. Yeah, and you know what? They still gave it uh, like a high-performing engine with the K24 and a beautiful transmission straight out of the S2000. You know, it was it was the little things like that that Acura did really well, right? Because they could have easily just put some kind of pedestrian engine in that car. Um, they also made it with a V6, I think, which um, I've never driven. But uh, yeah, it's just it's all the little things. It's all the interactions with the driver and you know the steering, the weight of the shifter, the feel of the clutch. You know the how high the engine revs. All those types of things. I think Acura did that really, really well, and pretty much had that DNA in all of their cars, sort of up to a 
a certain point, you know, in the early 2000s. It's an interesting brand and it's evolved um, very successively up to, you know, the um, 2010s. And then I think that's, uh, it kind of goes for all kind of Japanese, Japanese luxury brands, right? You know, um, like, like Infinity had great success in that time period as well from the, from the 2000s, right? Um, But for some reason, Andrew, I, uh, for some reason, I don't know, um, maybe we can do a bit more research on that, but. I don't know why the Japanese luxury brand kind of died off. Maybe the Germans really started innovating. I don't know. I can't really answer that question. What do you think? Well, uh, to me, the way I saw it is um, there was a time when those Japanese uh, luxury brands, they really had to try to actually sell cars. And so they got a lot of them right. And they had to differentiate themselves somehow. So you have uh, Acura, who is introducing, well, I mean, and technically it was a Honda everywhere else, but, you know, in North America, you had the Acura NSX, right? Which was beautiful car, developed with Aired and Senna, all aluminum construction and things like that. It was the first reliable supercar, right? So they're innovating there. And then later on, you have things like super handling all-wheel drive, you know, big innovation. uh, And, you know, you could get the super handling all-wheel drive in pretty much all of their... uh, their sort of higher end cars and they they always had some kind of claim to fame right and there were people who bought them because they liked the way they drove and then there were people who bought them because you know they were actually fairly nice cars and uh and they had really good all-wheel drive and so they were differentiating factors and things that made acuras um essentially I mean, you could apply this to all of the other Japanese brands, too. But Acura specifically, they always had some kind of differentiating factor. And then they kind of lost it, you know, at a a certain point in the the 2000s, sort of mid to late 2000s. They just started pumping out cars that looked more and more like Hondas. You know, George and I going to uh, auto shows, we would always kind of laugh. And it's bad, but... It's true. We would go and sit in a TLX and say, uh, this is no different inside than the Accord that's just or, down the hall. Or worse. Sometimes. Yeah. Yes. And it was almost just like, yeah, I mean, Honda, you know, they have to do well th- with the Accord and they always do. The Accord is always really well uh, rated. Right. And then basically to make the TLX, they were like, ah, OK, we'll just sort of make the same interior and. And, uh, you know, make it look kind of nice on the outside and give it an A-spec package so, you know, it can look sporty if somebody wants it to look sporty. But, you know, truth be told, the only thing I ever really liked about the first TLX when it came out, which was to replace uh, the TL and the TSX uh, in Acura's lineup, the only thing I liked about it was the exterior design. I thought it was a sharp-looking car, but everything else about it was just really lackluster. Like, there wasn't really a reason to buy it, you know? Andrew, honestly, for me, like, even the looks, the front looked good to me, the front face, right? The back, they didn't even expose, like, the exhaust tips, man. What are you doing? Like, I don't know, like, a Prius, to me, doesn't have an exhaust, like, an exposed exhaust tips, right? Like, I don't know, man. That's something about that. I I think for a while in the car designing language, they kind of, you know, um, <laughs> hit the exhaust pipe for some reason. But for me, that's a that's a big thing. Like, uh, like that's important to me um, as a, as a car shopper in terms of appearance, right? They 
or even yesterday, excuse me, you look at the TLX that they revealed. You look at Type S. Look at these exhaust pipes, man. Holy. Beautiful. Wow. How it awesome. should be. <laughs> and you know what? Uh, super handling all-wheel drive is back. One thing that uh, Acuras have traditionally been is front-wheel drive, and then you can add all-wheel drive, which is uh, different from some of the the other luxury automakers, but um, yeah. Audi does the same thing uh, for most of their cars, I believe. They're yeah. front-wheel drive first and then converted yeah. to all-wheel drive. And so, yeah, this, uh, this new TLX that Acura showed off yesterday uh, comes in front-wheel drive and super-handling all-wheel drive. Uh, and you can get a Type S, which is another name from historical Acuras. There have been uh, quite a few Type S's, and that name is sort of synonymous with performance and just sort of good and drive, good driver engagement in general. And you know, it used to be a name that people lusted after. People wanted a Type S model, like a 2007 or so TL Type S. That was a very desirable car. I would love to own one of those. That's right? a very timeless car also. It honestly yes. looks modern today. Yes. Uh, and so I hope that uh, this is kind of a return to form for that uh, Type S label because we haven't seen a car with a Type S badge for uh, a few years now, I don't think. Yeah. I, and I think they kind of got stuck in that, you know, um, the premium Accord um, segment for, for maybe five years now, right? And, you know, I think this is really going to be a revolution for them, like inside and out, right? Like before, maybe, you know, the exterior was acceptable. But if you go sit in there, it's, you know, plastic everywhere. It's infotainment is very lackluster, right? Like it's it's just not a, a premium, nice and feel. It's not something that I want to spend $50,000 on, right? But like with this, you know, the performance is on par, right? It's got the... Um, you know, the Honda Type R uh, Civic engine in the base, right? That's, you know, that's a crazy motor to begin with. And, you know, thrown in into, into the base model, that's going to, you know, set the expectation very high for consumers. Right? Yeah. And that's what a luxury model should be, you know? George, yeah. you and I were talking about this earlier, how why the luxury brands end up sort of just all getting the same parts as the, uh, you know, the mainstream brands, and then they don't end up being all that good, right? And here you have the fastest car from Honda, you know, now donates its engine to the base model, the least expensive model of the luxury brand, right? So now it's like, okay, so you step up to the luxury brand and you get the best of the mainstream, and it only gets better from there. That's how it should be. That's how you make a luxury brand, and you actually differentiate it. Which, like we were saying, you know, when Acura was just making Accords that looked a little nicer, that's the exact opposite of what they were doing. So I got to say, that's off to a good start uh, right there with that engine. And again, to your point, right? Like, that's how you design a car. And you know what? This car is on a – it will not share – a Honda platform. It's, you know, it's built on that, you know, the accurate exclusive platform that was debuted on the RDX, right? That's a good platform, right? right? I think it also shares a lot of tech from, you know, the new NSX, which, which is very well received. People love that car, you know, beautiful design language inside and out. And that was such a, you know, a black horse in the plat in the portfolio, right? Until this point. And, you know, I think adapting even design cues from the NSX 
I, I totally see that, right? Like they're really focused on performance on this, uh, you know, this new TLX. It's a, I believe it's a double wishbone up at the yeah. front. Yeah. Um, and they've they've done some uh, redesign to the multi-link at the back. Yeah. And these are the suspension setups that they used to be known for in their sporty cars. So, you know, again, kudos to Acura taking it seriously and not just grabbing whatever Honda parts off the shelf and throwing it into their luxury brand, right? It looks like they're really serious about taking the best of everything they have and putting it all together into a, a really good package. Yeah, and you know what? Talking about engine earlier, right? You know that two-liter Type R motor has, you know, 272 horse and 280 torque. That's plenty, right? As for a base base luxury car, I could work with that, you know? Yeah, especially, but, you know, front-wheel drive, you're not going to want much more. But, I mean, honestly, like, that's quick. You know, I think uh, in the modern days, everyone's kind of going to that twin turbo. And, you know, it's shocking that, you know, Honda is getting a uh, a new three liter twin turbo, sorry, twin scroll turbo in the Type S. That's actually developed by the, the NSX team. Yes, right? but also not shared with anything else in their product portfolio yes. so far, right? Brand yeah. new engine for the Type S. New, new infotainment system, right? Like, I think, honestly, for, for a luxury car, you need to have a responsive active infotainment system and they didn't have that they had the ugly dual screen for years yeah and the honda one is kind of goofy as well they didn't just you know take the honda infotainment and slap it into their acura either they actually went out and uh developed a whole new system that will hopefully trickle down into Honda products uh, later once, you know, this TLX comes out. And I'm not sure if you're noticing a theme here, but seriously, all of this work that Acura is, uh, is putting in to make bespoke Acura parts and systems and powertrains, I really hope it's going to pay off because like, like George and I are saying, this is how you make a luxury brand. Yep. And you know what? Come, uh, come to fall, um, hopefully, you know, dealership will be a little bit more lenient in terms of tie, uh, test driving. Uh, we should definitely go and uh, test drive this car and, you know, maybe follow up with this episode with our, with our thoughts. Hopefully it will drive as well as the way it looks. That's right. Fall 2020 for the, uh, the base model, just the TLX yep. to come out. Yep. And then we have to Coming wait up, yeah. uh, a few more months for the Type S version. So details on the Type S are a little bit... Um, a little bit more scarce. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and everything is uh, driven by a 10 speed uh, automatic. So unfortunately there's no manual being mentioned anywhere uh, for this car. I can understand that because you know, it's, it's a sedan luxury car. Acura doesn't have a ton of money to throw at this. And you know what? They went out and they developed their own engine and infotainment system and suspension instead. And honestly, at this point in the game, that's the important stuff. So I'm glad that they actually went out and did focus on their own things. So I can excuse that there's uh, there's no manual at this point. It in you know you're not going to find a lot of manuals in in these uh, luxury sedans uh, today. So I mean yeah I'm disappointed, but I get it, and I'm still really happy with pretty much everything else they've gone out and done. So I mean kudos to them for that. And you know what at this point doing the best you know doing what they do best. They can totally just pick up that, you know, Type R Civic charity and throw it into the, the front wheel drive version, right? But uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe it will come by popular demand. Yeah, I mean, this thing's got to sell, right? 
enough that Honda can actually look at this and say, yeah, you know what? It's worth throwing a manual in that car. Now, what they could also say as well, we've got a manual attached to that engine with four seats in it and lots of trunk space, and it's called the Civic Type R. And if you want a sedan, well, we do have an Accord Sport for you, so maybe you should just get one of those. But we'll see. <laughs> I'd really hope they kind of, you know, focus on on the on the heritage, right? Like of racing. You know, I think w- when they introduced the uh, the new NSX uh, back in was it two thousand fifteen. 16 it may have been a 2016 model year yeah. so yeah 2015 yeah and you know what that's honestly that car was beautiful when it when it first debuted and it was you know it was in the avengers movie right um <laughs> that's like uh, right after right after the reveal and i understand it's uh you know expensive and i think with the first one uh in an auction sold for like 1.2 million dollars right you know they've only sold um, twelve hundred cars in the last uh, five years, but it's one of those vehicles like a Ford GT. It's a, it's a flagship car for you know for the brand. It's you know where the vision goes, where the design language goes, just like the GTR for Nissan, right? It's something you know people look up to, right? It's something that kind of it's a halo car for the brand, if you will. And I think that's important for all car makers. They all need one of these cars yeah that car showed that acura still had the technological muscle right they could still innovate and bring technology that was like you know porsche 918 territory and bring it down to something that like you said is still expensive but you know like a a fifth of the price of a 918 right they take that technology and bring it down and so I mean, eventually we might see performance hybrid uh, Acura sedans. You know, maybe the next TLX will be a hybrid or something like that. Um, Only time will tell. But uh, uh, yeah, so now Acura, I guess, will have uh, a couple of SUVs and this car, right? And and then, of course, the NSX. That'll be their all of their models. I think their SUVs are actually doing pretty well still. It is a very lucrative market. It's a very popular market in today's today's market, right? Like you know, luxury SUVs. With the Jap- from a Japanese luxury standpoint, I'm sure Lexus is still doing better compared to the other three, but I think they're still competitive. But if it, they can, you know, bring this innovation, bring this technology into the next generation of SUV, I think they will be. Their future is very bright for years to come. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I'm just biased on this whole thing uh, because my dad owns a uh, uh, late model TSX and I learned to drive a stick on that car and stuff. But when I think of an Acura and what that name stands for and what an Acura is, I think of a performance sedan, but not just like any performance sedan you know, not like M3 caliber performance sedan, but I think of a relatively affordable, good value, decent inside, but very nice to drive performance sedan. And really, to me, this TLX will be a return to form, both in that four cylinder and the V6 uh, models. So, you know, I'm really hoping these do well. And then maybe one day 
if this does really well, I'll get to see another Integra or, you know, RSX, whatever they decide to call it down the road, which also is, is an exciting prospect for me. So, yeah. And you were pretty spoiled to learn driving, you know, manual from an S2000 training, you know? <laughs> yes. Yes, I am. And, uh, you know, I still drive it today. Uh, and, uh, you know, I could drive that car for years and years. I really hope that this TLX is the same kind of thing. I hope it inspires the passion that Acuras of old did. You know what? They did have racing heritage too, right? So maybe that will come back once, uh, once things get back to normal. Yeah, once they can actually go out and race, um, we, we may see more. Um, I don't know if they took the new NSX racing. They may have had it in some uh, GT car series. Nothing yeah, like F1 I, or anything. Yeah. No, no, but um, I mean, Honda did actually have an F1 team for a, a little bit there, but they were never very successful. Yeah, but they did have a Le Mans program for a couple of years, I think, as well, and um we're uh we're just gonna have to see but you know the acura brand has been floundering for a couple of years here this car looks like the right way to come back yeah and yeah you know what looks like from even you know the press conferences um that's happening lately looks like the auto show is not a go for the remainder of 2020 maybe this is you know the new format that's going to be you know, adopted by other OEMs as well on how to release uh, future vehicles, which is honestly not bad, right? Because there's more uh, attention, right, from the media, right? And I think um, by the word of mouth, you're, you're spreading your news quicker as well, which is actually really interesting. I, I'm, I'm excited to see how other, uh, other OEMs approach this. Yeah, and I mean, to be honest... To the average person like you and I who don't travel the world and and uh, visit every auto show and bring our cameras and stuff, this is how I see the launch of pretty much any you know new car nowadays, right? I'll I'll see something pop up in my newsfeed. I'll visit the link. I'll watch the videos. I'll see some you know a little bit of YouTube coverage or whatever, and that's you know that's that. So to me, this is kind of the normal car launch, and so for the vast majority of people, this is how they already find out about new, new cars. And I like it. I think it works. Like I said, I'm not going to get the opportunity to go visit every auto show, but uh, they've got a lot of extensive uh, stuff going on for this um, TLX. And uh, it looks like they've released quite a bit of information because there are sites comparing it to the concept as well as the old model and things like that. Um, so yeah, like I'd, I, honestly, I'd be happy with uh, them unveiling cars um, just like this most of the time once COVID is all over. So, yeah, I think there's a one caveat with that though for me is you know how Andrew like some cars uh, in terms of design, um, you kind of take in more when you're when you're right beside it in person, like the Supra. It has a lot more presence in my in my opinion. Um, you know, in person, the 370Z looks a lot better in person, right? Like, I don't know, things like that. 
Oh, for sure. I'm not saying do away with uh, with auto shows as a whole, right? But oh, you know, maybe automakers won't find it so necessary to wait for the biggest auto show of the year to to launch their version, and then they'll go to somewhere else in the world and say, okay, now this is you know the so and so version of the same car, and it's this it's the same car. But they're like, oh my goodness, now it's available in China, and then oh my goodness, look here's the North American version, and you know it's it's all the same car anyways, or you can just kind of get a different engine in them or something like that. And so, you know, it'll probably save automakers a lot of money as well. But if they, if they start doing releases more consistently, just like this, at least for the majority of vehicles, I think, uh, you know, I think I'm going to be okay with that uh, as long as they go about it right and give a lot of content to look at. Yeah, for sure. It's definitely a big expense for, you know, car makers to, you know, set up booths, going over um, shipping vehicles. It's it's definitely, um, you know, a big um, marketing expense. And I'm not saying, obviously, to your point, it's not uh, it's not like it's going to go away, but maybe just working um, both virtual and auto show in tandem. Right. Um, like from a test and learn um, purpose. Right. To see what works better and you know, again, with people that are less um, accessible to those large auto shows, um, maybe this is a good opportunity to spread the awareness of their launches. Yep, that's true. Oh, and actually, you know what? Speaking of this launch and this car uh, in particular, uh, something else that I really like that Acura has done is they actually made a car that looks very, very similar to the concept car that they've been showing off uh, for maybe about a year now. Uh, their, what did they call it? I can't even remember. It might've been like their type S concept. That might've been what they called it. And yeah, if you look at the concept and the car, it's pretty much just that they took all of the sort of performance looking bits and toned it down just slightly. So some of the vents are a little smaller. The wheels are a little smaller, you know, typical, uh, sort of adjustments that you'd make from a concept car. But otherwise that new tail X is the concept car we've seen and they said look here's a concept car with a turbocharged v6 that previews something we're going to do in the future and guess what we have a car now that looks exactly like that with a turbocharged v6 in it and that's that's how you should do it you know i don't want any more catfishing Yeah. yeah don't catfish me with these concepts you know show me what you're gonna do and then do it don't get me excited for nothing because then when you actually launch the car, it looks worse, right? Like, let's say, you know, Acura was was going to come out with a new TLX, but they were only going to do the four-cylinder uh, performance model. You know, same four-cylinder engine, but they weren't going to do the V6. And they said, oh, look, here's our beautiful concept, and it's got a turbocharged V6 in it. And then now they're like, oh, yeah, well, you know, we just went with the four-cylinder because fuel economy, blah, 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 practicality, saving costs and stuff. I'd be so disappointed. Whereas right now I'm looking at this going, Hey, yeah, you know what? I'd be okay with the four cylinder model. And, and that's great that there's a V six and I'd love to drive it. But you know, like I, I don't feel that disappointment. So I think this launch and this execution of this new Acura sort of as a whole has been done really well. Uh, so kudos to Acura for that. Mm-hmm. Well said for sure. I totally agree. And it's like concept cars, Usually, well, again, you know, safety regulations and sometimes it's hard to achieve that, um, you know, aesthetic 
with with the safety regulations, right? And usually, um, and costs as well, right? Like every little part counts for for car makers, and uh, understandable. But for sure, like it, obviously, in an ideal world, I would like it all the cars to look like the concept vehicles, right? Yeah, but you know what? You can be done, and it just was, right? Yep. It can be done. You can make a concept car that can still pretty much be produced at the end of the day. And we were all excited when we saw that Acura Type S concept. We were like, wow, that's a good-looking car, and it's got a big V6 in it. That sounds like it's going to be a really good car to drive. And all of a sudden, guess what? Here's the same car, and we're actually going to get it and actually get to drive it. So, yeah, like I'm – you know what? I'm a fan of Acura products – Uh, or I should say the old Acura products. I know you are too, George. And I think we would both really love to see Acura succeed uh, with this new TLX. I want to see Acura reborn and ready to take on the world with this car. It it would just make me so happy. Yeah. And I think, you know, it's um, a lot of car makers are kind of doing that, like in the sense that, um, rejuvenating their brands right like his cars has been pretty you know in terms of tech in terms of design has been um you know static for a while if you will i don't know if you feel the same but um maybe this is um you know a kickoff of the new future because there's always a defining moment in every era of cars and maybe this is you know one in the books for the car history it's true. You know, it's been uh, it's been a little while since um, any of the the German offerings uh, in this class in this segment have given me sort of a real uh, excitement. You know, the the last couple of three series, the last couple of uh, A fours and stuff, they they haven't really sort of excited me as their their previous models did. But this car, this car gets me excited and maybe it'll just be the kick that, you know, a lot of these other luxury brands need because, wow, wow, there's actually, you know, competition from this, you know, guy called Acura who, you know, was cool when he was in high school back in the day. But, you know, he he hasn't made a good car in 10 years, but, you know, now we got to watch out. So maybe uh, maybe we'll start to see the effects of this car uh you know throughout the industry and then uh, i mean i hope it doesn't but it could also just drop off uh completely and this could be sort of the end of any performance acura that we ever see uh but i really hope and pray you know as part of this car religion as we call it i am praying for acura (laughs) i really really pray for their success coming off this tlx you know, yeah, exactly. And maybe, you know, set off a um, a benchmark, right, for the other competitors in, in the Japanese segment, uh, the Japanese luxury segment. Um, yeah, no, I, as you said, well said, I think um, super excited to see how this car do. I'm, I, I honestly, uh, with my full heart, I hope uh, I hope this car um, do well in terms of sales. Yeah, that's true, because you know what? The Japanese have also been dragging their feet. You know, the, the Lexus IS is ancient, and and uh, so is the Q50 and stuff. And so, you know what? I just, I really hope that this steps off everybody's game and that we can see Acura uh, return to its form. Uh, so, yeah, you know, I, I've been a happy guy over the past couple of days looking at uh, this car. I've watched uh, all the YouTube videos I can, and um, 
you know, if you, if you can't tell, I'm I'm pretty hyped. So, you got anything cool. else to say about this uh, wonderful car, George? I think we covered um, we covered most of the topics for today. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think we talked a lot about that car. We talked a little bit about the industry and gave you a bit of a you know insight into Acura, which is actually kind of a cool brand and just hasn't been for the past few years now, right? So. I think uh, for enthusiasts everywhere, this is a nice thing to see. And I honestly, if people in Europe, for example, can be jealous uh, of North America because they don't have Acura, then Acura is doing their job right, to be honest. And you know what? Like to that point as well, um, if if any of you guys have any questions, um, please follow us on Instagram at religion.car. Um, and honestly, just DM us uh, on any ideas or any topics that you would like. And um, when we have enough questions, we'll definitely answer uh, in the next episode. Yeah. You want to talk about cars? Just hit us up. I'm down for it all day, that's every day. That's what we're here for. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. I think that wraps up um, today's show. But thanks for listening, guys. <laughs>